Miller. On this week's episode of Tiger Turf Talk, we host Mr. John Klinsman, the director of grounds at the Enworth School. Such an awesome episode with such an awesome guy. Uh, John has been a huge supporter of our program over the past few years. Um, being able to get to know him has been awesome, and it's just an awesome episode <laughs> where we just have a great time, you know, where we get to talk about people in the industry. Uh, we share a great mentor in Dr. Goatley, and just being able to see the impact of people on others in this industry is truly just incredible to see and to be able to talk about, you know, and it was just awesome to get him to talk about some of the things he has going on. Uh, like presenting at the Sports Field Management Association Conference coming up in Salt Lake. Um, It's just going to be a great time with some great educational opportunities, and uh, his presentation on leadership and mentorship is going to be awesome. Um, We actually were able to help him out with a couple things with our kids uh, and their uh, sort of definition on mentorship. So it's definitely an episode that you guys don't want to miss. Uh, John, I can't thank you enough just for being the incredible person that you are um, and always being there for my kids and for me. And uh, I'm excited to see you in Utah. And I hope you guys enjoyed this episode of Tiger Turf Talk. Good morning. Welcome to the 84th episode of Tiger Turf Talk. I'm your host, Drew Miller. Today we have on the director of grounds at the Ensworth School, Mr. John Klinsman. How are you doing? Hey man, how are you? I'm good. How are you? <laughs> oh, for those that don't know, we just had to redo that because I botched it so badly. <laughs> you job. You had I one know. job today. I know. One right? job and one you screwed job. it up right yeah. off the rip. Right off the right off the bat. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So let's get into it. Um You've been at Endsworth for a few years now, probably more than a few, but uh, what has it been like sort of getting into this industry as a whole? Uh, and again, we just talked for probably 45 minutes beforehand about how, how there are so many ups and downs and how awesome this industry is as a whole uh, with the people in it and the people you've gotten to know over the years. So what's your question? That, you ter- you how did that you, uh, how, how did I get into the industry? <laughs> so you want a little bit of a backstory is what oh you're asking for. Gosh. I can do that. Oh, this, is um, good. this is good. I got in, I got in about, if you include golf, about 10 years ago. So I was, I was a late bloomer. Um, you know, we were talking about guys that get in early and, and stuff. And I, I found the industry at about 30 um, after a, a divorce and um, trying to figure out who I was, you know, I had I had my first son at 17, and um, there's not a whole lot of time to figure out who you are when you're having a kid at 17. Um, so I worked in warehouses and factories for 13 plus years. I was in a I was in a marriage that um, we just weren't good for each other. You know, we were we dated in high school, we fought through high school, but. We, we had one thing in common that we both liked and we executed that perfectly. And, um, nine months later he was born and, you know, we stayed together for 13 years or more trying to do what was right, you know? And, um, through that, I got three of the best things that ever happened to me, my boys. And, um, but I lost sight of who I was. So, um, if you fast forward a little while, I, 
I found golf course work and I had a superintendent that um, was freaking amazing. And she would, um, she made me fall in love with the golf industry because she was such a teacher. She was teacher first. She was boss second, teacher first. And um, she was there for you as an employee. She was there for you as a friend. Um, And she wanted you to understand why you were doing something. So my whole education started on the course, you know, learning why we top dress, learning why we, you know, airify, learning all that, you know, and um, hell, she put me on a spray rig the middle of the summer. She didn't tell me it was just water in the tank, but I went out and sprayed greens. Uh, my first spray app was, was green, with water on greens and I had no clue. And then she just laughed when I came back because I was so proud of myself. And, um, you know, starting there and then, but that golf course paid, paid trash wages. I was making 10, 25 an hour. Uh, I was struggling to put, keep shoes on my kids' feet and make sure the family was fed. And, you know, my, my new wife at the time, you know, she was working, but it's tough. It's tough when one of you's making piss poor wages. So, um, Innsworth had a, had an assistance position open and um i i had gone to the golf course i had asked for more money i'd asked for a bump our our assistant had left and i i knew i couldn't be an assistant yet but i thought maybe they could like make me an assistant in training or something just to help me out the um the head guy at the golf course was like no basically kick rocks um you don't have an education i said well can you help me get an education he said no okay Writings on the wall. So I went to Innsworth. Um, spent about a year here um, just kind of learning. You know, golf and, and sports fields are similar, but they're very different at the same time. And learning how to paint. I painted some of the crookedest damn lines you'd ever seen in your life, like painting lacrosse fans upside down one time. Um, man, I, I can't tell you how bad my painting was when I first started. It was god awful. But um, after my first year, you know, they were giving me my standard, you know, 2% raise or whatever. And I said, you can keep the raise if you'll pay for me an education. And I presented them with the paperwork for um, the University of Georgia continuing education because I had met one of their reps at the the trade show a few weeks before at the SFMA now trade show. and I, I really wanted to do, you know, this program. And um, I had talked to Dr. Goatley. I met Dr. Goatley at my first F- SFMA. And it was like meeting a superhero. Um, and I'll, we'll get into that story. I'm, sure he'll, I'm sure he'll love that, you know. Let, hey, let's, hey. let's get back to that story. Um, I want to finish this, how I got in, and then we'll go to that one. But um, Innsworth was, was more than happy to, um, to pay for that. It was 300 bucks. That was an investment for them, you know. and um, Time went by and the head here left. And um, I, that summer, I was working at Innsworth. I was working at um, the National Sounds as a game day guy. I was working at the Tennessee Titans as a paint, like a paint day. It's basically a game day position in NFL. You know that. Um, But all I wanted to do was paint. I hated the game day stuff. Um, And trying to get the head position here all at the same time. So, um, fast forward, I got the position, 
you know, um, I've spent the last, I want to say I'm going on five years as the head. It could be four. Um, it all kind of started running together at some point. I think it's five though. Probably um, as the head. Probably COVID. I'm <laughs> it also probably COVID brain. Yeah. Um, like I've discovered this year that I've forgotten more shit than I've ever forgotten, but that's another story for another day. Yeah. Probably. Um, but you know, five years as the head here. Um, I've never stopped learning. I've always, anytime Dr. Goatley has um, emailed me about a, a course or something that he's, he's putting on, I've signed up. Um, if I see any type of free course or webinar that something that piques my interest that I'm not real comfortable with, I sign up. Um, talking to guys like you guys in our industry that are just awesome. I, um, I, I, I listen more than I talk or I try to. Um, but, you know, that's kind of the, that's the, me in a nutshell, getting into this industry. It's an awesome story. You know, there, there are a lot of different ways to do it. A lot of people have the, the typical, oh, I went to school for it and everything like that. But finding it, you know, is always interesting to understand the story behind it, you know, so that's awesome. And it's awesome that Endsworth actually listened to you about like, Hey, I'd rather get an education than this race, which is awesome. Well, Uh, I knew, you know, looking back, I don't know that I knew then, um, I knew I was making better money than I was making previously. So I wasn't worried about the money aspect of it. I thought I was making a fortune at the time compared to what I was making. (laughs) Yeah. Um, but I knew that getting that piece of paper, um, getting that education was more valuable in the long run. And it has been. I mean, I would, it's paid off a thousand times over, if not yeah, more. For sure. But um, just getting that piece of paper, um, getting that knowledge base. Let's be real honest. It wasn't even about the knowledge that was in that book. I knew a majority of what was in that book. Yeah. Just from going out and doing the job, having bosses that were teaching me at the time. So I knew what was in the book. It was more that piece of paper so I could say, okay, I've done this. Yeah. Now, now there's been um, employers, you know, I've applied for different positions in the industry and there's been employers like basically straight up tell you they're not hiring you because you don't have an education. We've got to get past the stigma of uneducated just because you don't have a college paper on your resume we've got to get past that because there's a there's no i'm not gonna say there's no need for an education that would be incorrect (laughs) yes there's no need for someone to feel forced in this industry to do four years at a college when it's going to take them the first six or eight years of their career to pay that four years back you're not going to make you're not going to make that money your first couple of years in this industry to pay that back. So why are we forcing it so much? It, yeah. I know that's a touchy subject and I get it, but no, I, I think there's so many ways into this industry Yeah, that it can't be so cookie cutter. And I agree. I agree with you on the fact that when we look at face value, like you look at the guys in the industry and you look at some of the guys who are the top, you know, who are at like the Augustas and all that. And I'm not saying Augusta National guy doesn't have like a, a master's degree or not, but like there are people in those positions that only have a two year degree, you know, and 
when you look at, hey, this is what I want to do, and there's really no way around it, like I completely understand going for a two-year degree. And you can do that online while you're working. You know, it's not like you have to like struggle to move to a school and spend all this money on housing and stuff and then have to pay it back. You can do it while you're on the job. I think who was it? Crystal Wallace, he did that, uh, where he did the online program. Uh, I knew a couple guys up in New York that did it online um, that, again, were in that position of like they had the game day staff position, but they knew that this was an opportunity that they could move forward with. So like, hey, let me get the certificate so that I have it, you know. Um, yep. So, yeah, no. And I think I think there's going to be a major swing in our industry specifically when it comes to like certifications, you know, Um yep like the certified certified sports deal manager, which I believe you are one, correct? No, I'm not. And that's kind of a, that's kind of a hot button issue with me. And I've, I've said my piece on it Sorry, because <laughs> no, no, no. I, let's talk about it. Like, yeah, I, go ahead. Let's bring it up. Yeah. Let's bring it to the forefront. It, it, it kind of pisses me off that I can't test yet. Oh, um, okay. Gotcha. I've, I've, I've proven I know what I'm doing. Yes. Um, I feel like I feel like I'm just as professional as anyone else in this industry. I'm not saying there's not groundskeepers better than me. I know there. I know there are, but I want to be a certified sports field manager. Yeah. But I'm not able to test yet because I don't have the points. But how you're many, telling me how many points do we need? Right, Sorry, off top of my, my head, bad. My bad. <laughs> but, but here's what's frustrating. Here's yeah. where I get irritated with the entire system is a kid out of college in like four years can can have the point, something like that. Yeah. I, Marty Kaufman broke it down for me one day at dinner for the for the banquet of SFMA. But what I'm getting at is I should be able to test right now. No, 100%. Let me test today. And, and I'm not guaranteeing I'll pass it. That's a hard test. I've looked over all the paperwork. <laughs> yeah. But what I'm getting at is I don't think I should have to wait because I don't have that college degree. Yeah. Um, my my certificate should hold some weight. And it's like one point. But like a college degree is, I can't remember how many points. I don't want to like talk. seven or something. Sorry. Right. But what makes what makes that more valuable than what I'm doing? And that that's where I get frustrated. And I... I said my piece to a couple of board members this year about it. Not, not gotcha. angrily. Or no, I'm no, just no. Like, Look, I'm, I'm out here doing the same thing that guys that are CSFMs are doing. Yeah. Just as well as they're doing it. Um, and I can't, I can't test yet. And that, that sucks because I would love, I would love to be part of that group. So I think it's an important group to be a part of. Yeah. Um, but my day will come and I'll get the test and I'll probably, fail and bomb and everybody you'll kick ass (laughs) we'll make an announcement out of it and everything when you when you pass (laughs) so yeah for sure so uh let's talk about the superhero himself dr goatley um i'm sure he would prefer wwe star but uh no 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 i am currently the reigning defending undisputed champion of the Goatly WrestleMania Challenge. 
Oh, hang on, hang on. Watch out. Hang on. I just want to um, make sure. Can you see that? That's in a frame on my office wall. Um, I don't understand why I wasn't given a title belt, but I wasn't. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I, I handed everybody their ass in the WrestleMania Pick'em Challenge and I was awarded with a, with a <laughs> certificate there. Um, it's, it's funny, the, the Dr. Goatley story and – him and I have told it many times, and we're going to tell it again this coming SFMA, I'm sure. But um, I was new in the industry. I had been, I'd been in sports fields for almost a year, um, and I was man, I was trying to soak up everything I could. I was buying books when I could, um, reading, you know, just getting what I can. And like I said, um, a month after the first SFMA, I, um, I. Um, did the University of Georgia continuing education stuff? So you know, I was I was heading that path when when I met Doctor Goat. Um, I had been walking around the trade show, um, and the first the first booth I hit every single year is the Safe Foundation Silent Auction booth. There's always something there that's um, that's neat, different, um, fun. Um, I don't know if you see directly behind me. There's a Sports Illustrated article. Um, it's George Toma. Yep. Um, anyways, I, I picked that up there, you know, like five bucks and I put it in a frame and it's just something that hangs in my office. So, um, my first year, um, it was the, the sports fields manual that Dr. Goatley was a part of writing. And, and that book at the time was a hundred dollars. And at that time, I'm not spending a hundred dollars on a book. It's, I don't make enough money. Um, but at the safe auction, it was like 20 bucks. They had it buy it now for 20 bucks. Getting that. And I was pumped, you know, because this is a hundred dollar book. I just got a deal on it. I'm, I'm jacked up. I had no clue who, who Mike Goatley was. Zero clue. So I've been walking around the trade show and I'm um, tired. I grabbed a beer from one of the, one of the many vendors that want to get you drunk. So you buy something from them. And, um, there was a, the only spot available at a table was with this beautiful woman sitting there. Right. So I asked, do you mind if I sit down? She's like, absolutely not. And we start talking about the trade show and she's asking me if I've seen anything cool. And I started on about this damn book that I just bought. And she's like, would you like to have one of the authors autograph it? Like, I said, I'm not going to bother anybody. She's like, well, it's my husband. It's not a bother. He'll do it. Dr. Goatley, Lisa Goatley, and myself sat at that table. We closed down the trade show that night just talking. Um, he asked me my goals, my you know what I wanted to do in this industry. And for me at that time, um, I was setting goals, but I had absolutely no clue what how to how to achieve these goals. You know, you got to think, think back. You were a young man your first year in this industry, right? I was just as lost my first year as you were your first year. I just had a family I was raising at the time. You were a college student. But I felt those same lost feelings that first year. And, um, man, that bloomed into, at first, it was an email here and there, you know, a text. And that's how it's always been. It's always just been 
we just reach out to check on one another. And he's become that person that I truly, there's several people in my life that if they didn't come in to my life at that point, I think my life goes a different direction. So Dr. Goatley was one of the very first people in this industry that I feel like if he didn't come into my life at that minute, my career possibly takes a different turn than it, than it has, you know, and I feel like I've had a great career so far, you know, um, feel like I've got to do some amazing things. And, um, but if, if that doesn't happen, if that doesn't happen, I don't know what else doesn't happen. You know, it's, it's that rabbit hole that you can go down. Um, and there's several other people that have been there, but he was that first real one that I think believed in me, which was weird to me because I didn't even know how to believe in me at that time. Cause I still wasn't painting straight lines. Um, <laughs> I'm I still no done, so it's okay. <laughs> I have figured it out. The boys at Purdue taught me a little trick. Yeah. Turning the nozzle backwards. So I use a line laser, all right, S100, what cheapest Graco model they have, right? Yeah. And I turn that nozzle backwards so that the fan is actually facing. You can me actually see where it's going instead of three feet in front of you. Not only can you see where it's going. But because it's at the two wheels instead of the one wheel, when you do get wobbly, it stays straight. It stays the course. Gotcha. When they taught me that, and that wasn't that long ago, it changed. Like, I quit painting lines when I became the head because I said, screw it. I don't have to. You know, it's <laughs> teach the guys how. Yeah. You don't have to do it. Um, but when they taught me that, I was like, oh, I'll paint, I'll paint lines again. I'm fine with this. <laughs> so, uh, it, it's like you and I talked about before this thing came on, listening to people yep. when they talk. Listening more than you talk and you learn. Um, but yeah, Dr. Goatley was that first person for me that, and, and I, I call them my superheroes because as time went on, I realized how big he was in this industry. And it was kind of like having a superhero in the industry that would reach out to me. He's a doctor. Shit. <laughs> I don't even have a, I don't even have an education. And this man's a doctor of grass. Like this is pretty awesome. Um, and then you realize that he's just a normal dude and he likes wrestling just like you do. And he likes potatoes and beer and he's just a fantastic man in general. And, um, just having him in my back pocket, man, has meant the world to me. Yeah. You got a good one in him. You know, he, uh, when you talk about good human beings and just always looking out for the other guy, it's always him. Yeah. You know, when you, you yeah, look at 100%. the, you look at the influx of this industry that's come from Virginia Tech, whether those are students, um, and he'll, and he'll say like, oh, they're not mine. They're, they're Askew's or McCall's or like, he never takes credit for ever. No. Um, yeah. but like he, the um, kids that come out, it's, it's incredible what he's done and how he's continued to do what he does. And I mean, he's always been there for me. Like you said, uh, the, the recent one, and I haven't talked to him in a while about it. And you actually played a big role in it too, with the way you again, checked on us and always took care of us, uh, with Rylan, you know, 
Um, he, he would send a, I might've been a biweekly or a monthly letter to Rylan that even when I got bad, like he would always send these letters and I'd always bring them over and it, it's just the person he is. And you, you look at it and it, it, he had no reason to do that. You know, it wasn't like it was a, a required thing and it, it meant the world to the family. It meant the world to me. And I, I mean, I knew he was going to do it either way just because that's who he is you know so and i can't thank you enough for everything you did i did nothing man i um i um i I did absolutely nothing with that but that story i mean your entire group your entire group is amazing right like i am i am inspired by them daily and um that young man, you know, I, I never knew him. I never met him. I only knew what you guys said about him. He was an amazing young man. And we're going to quit talking about this shit because neither one of us is <laughs> here. No, I, I will it. tell you, I will tell you, I was pissed off when I realized that you guys were in the same category as us for field of the year. <laughs> I knew there was no way in hell. There was no way in uh, hell we were winning after the year y'all had. And I was fine. Like, don't, don't get me wrong. I wasn't actually mad. Yeah. <laughs> I just, um, I was like, well, damn it. We ain't winning. <laughs> no matter what we did this year, no, <laughs> our I grass ain't. could have been sprouting money out of it. And we weren't winning. Yeah. Um, and that was fine because I was like, you know what? That when y'all got up there and accepted that award, I, I can't explain to you the, the pride I had for you guys, like your entire group. Um, the, the way your kids handled themselves with professionalism, at least when they were around other people, I'm sure when they were by <laughs> themselves, it was messed up. But the way they handled themselves around the crowds of, of men, you know, and, and women in our industry. And then um, you had a young man come up to, to me and um, you were with me. You were giving me one of the hats or something. And um, he, I said something to him about congratulations on Phil of the Year. And he looked at me and he said, don't you mean back-to-back Phil of the Year? Uh, like, dude, I'm <laughs> oh my freaking God. You. Oh you are my, my guy. Gosh. But let me explain why oh. this kid is my guy, right? Oh, go ahead. <laughs> so I was doing – like, he might be my spirit animal. Oh, okay. um, and I don't remember his name, but – Bronco is probably I, who you're talking about. Curly I, hair. Yes. Yeah. He was a cocky little shit and I loved it. And the funny thing was, was I was doing the interview with, um, with Pioneer, with Meg from Pioneer for the Pioneers in the field. Yeah. And first off, I'm not a pioneer in this field. I I have no clue who nominated me. No, I have no clue who nominated me. I absolutely appreciate it. But there, I was, I was out of my league up there, 100% out of my league. But, um, when we did our, she did like a podcast episode with yeah, just, yeah, yeah. It was supposed it's supposed to be with just me, but I pulled Thomas Trotter, who is the head groundskeeper for the National Sounds, and I pulled Michael Brownlee, who was a sales rep with Simplot, and um, she said something about us winning Phil of the Year, and it was directed to Thomas about you know does he take pride in when when we win Phil of the Year, and I said. Um, don't you mean back to back field of the years? 
for Tennessee Grass <laughs> Association, right? That happened about 30 to 45 minutes before you and I met at the trade show for you to give me one of them hats. Oh, gosh. And he said it to me, and it made me so darn happy. <laughs> because I'm like, you know what? We, we as turf managers beat ourselves up daily, right? You know this. We get, we get one bad spot in a, in a 80,000 square foot area and we beat ourselves up, right? Own it when you do good. Yeah. Own it when you're winning awards because this shit is not going to last. Like we've had a great two or three years here. It's not going to, we can't sustain it. We might continue being good fields. We're not going to continue winning awards. At some point, someone else is going to win the awards. So I was so proud of that young man for being like, don't you mean back to back? I was like, had a baby. Oh and you were gosh. so embarrassed. By I was. Like, no, no, I, no, no. <laughs> Let this kid own this. Because oh he's going to have enough bad days in this industry that he needs to remember it wasn't just one field of the year. He's actually, freaking back to back field. Of the year. He's heading. He's heading down to Tennessee. Actually, he's work. He's going to school at Tennessee Tech, which I don't wow. know where that is. It's uh, he, well. It's probably in Chattanooga. Uh, it's probably uh, in the Chattanooga area. There's different had, Tennessee Techs everywhere. So, well, his his has turf and engineering, which is what he wants to do. He okay. wants to Heck engineer yeah. new equipment for the industry. So, he's okay. like on his. He's on his fourth summer on a golf course and. Yeah, he's heading down there next year. So, tell him, tell him to come see me next year. Uh, yeah, give him my number. Let's um, let's get him an internship with me next year. <laughs> I'll um, let him know. I'll let him know. Absolutely, because because that guy's my spirit animal, man. So I'm not gonna lie to you. <laughs> I'm just, I'm just now year. thinking about like the late night with him. Like you guys just. <laughs> oh gosh, that'd be. Funny. We might. Yeah, you send him my way, Nick. Okay. We'll have some. We'll have some good times. Yeah, I guarantee. For sure, for sure. I he's love a, that kid. He's that a that good made kid. me so happy. That made me so happy. When he I'm that. still, but, I'm, I'm still embarrassed. What I don't, I don't even know what we're talking about right now. We're talking. So we need to steer the ship somewhere else. Okay, <laughs> let let me do that real quick. Nice. Uh so we were talking earlier. You and Doctor Goatley are going to be presenting in Salt Lake uh, this year coming up. Uh, what are you guys looking to present about and how are you excited? I mean, obviously, I mean, presenting at SFMA is a big deal. You know, it's, it's an industry uh, event, the industry event, I should say. Um, and it's a great opportunity to get out there and just talk about your experiences, whatnot. So what are you guys going to be talking about? And uh, what do you, what do you want us to know sort of before you actually come to the event, which you all should come to, because we'll be there. Um. You asked if I'm excited. So if you, if you haven't noticed all of my answers, go back, right? So let's go back um, to my first SFMA. The people presenting were, were up here in my book. And you remember, do you remember your first one? And how you were like, I will never be doing that. That is not. Yeah, that's a very I'll good point. Be. That's a good point. Right. Um, Denver. Oh, God, that was so long ago. And as time as time went by, I started thinking, I was like, in that Pioneer article, I mentioned something about when I'm done with this, whatever that means, when I retire, when I'm done on this earth, whatever it is, right? I want everyone that knew me to think of me as great, right? So 
And that sounds cocky as hell, but I don't mean it that way. More of a legacy son, thing than cocky thing, you know? Sure. I, understand. I want my son to remember how great of a dad I am. Yep. I hope. That's my goal. I'm sure he thinks that. <laughs> but you get what I'm saying. So no, let's, I get let's you. Put it, let's put it in the industry standpoint. There, it's always somebody's first time. It's always someone there's very first visit or second visit or their whatever. And they're looking up at those people thinking, wow, that's that's pretty neat that they're in front of their peers speaking. Because there's no worse group in the world to speak in front of than your peers. So I started making it a goal that I want I want to present at, at an SFMA. So I finally it's one of those situations where I would see the, the email come through, you know, call for presentations open and I would let it close. But I would think about it the entire freaking time. Last couple of years, that's how it's been. Um, I presented at the Tennessee Turfgrass Association COVID conference. Um, almost put my pants doing it because I was so nervous, but um, got good feedback from it. And then I, I skipped a year. And so when the call for presentations opened, I reached out to Dr. Go and I said, I would like to present with you. And he said, let's do it. He's like, what do you think? And I think there's only one thing him and I can, can present on. First off, I'm not, I'm not going to a conference to present and talk fertility to you guys. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not doing that. That's not, that's that's not, not what I'm about either. <laughs> I, I I'm also not going to come talk about uh, any type of educational stuff. That's not where I'm at. Like, that's not where my be go out and be good, great at what you're good at, right? Go out and be great at what you're good at. What I'm good at, I feel, is leadership. So um, I feel like that's a strong suit for me. So I asked Dr. Go, I said, what if we talk about mentorship slash leadership? That's where him and I jail, right? He's a mentor for me. I'm hopefully a mentor for somebody else one day. Um, so I said, okay, let, let's do this. So, you know, we reached out to you guys. We reached out to the Twitter, Twitter universe. And I mean, our first question right now is what is mentorship? What's it mean to you? And your students nailed it. They're like, your students are so impressive. I mean that. I'm not just saying it because you're here in front of me. I say it to everybody. Your students are so damn impressive because at 16, 17 years old, I was told this guy to kick rocks. Like, I don't care what you're asking. Me. They are an impressive group. And I appreciate you having them do. I so, appreciate that. Thank you. Anyways, we're, we're going to talk about mentorship. And, you know, we are going to be as interactive as the audience will allow us to be. Because... Dr. Ngotli and I are only two guys that are bringing this talk to you, the audience. What we need from you, the audience, is to talk to us. Because it doesn't matter what mentorship is to us. It's what is it to you? How can I be a better mentor to you? Or how can the mentees be better mentees to the mentors? Like It's a, it's a two-way street. I was talking to you about this earlier. I can only mentor somebody as much as they will allow. I can only help you as much as you will allow me. And if every time I give you an idea, 
you shoot back with, I already know that, there's no reason for me to try to help you. So our, our talk will be about how I want our talk to be interactive. Dr. Gutley wants our talk to be interactive. It's going to be up to the audience um, to interact with us. And I will be there. I will be interactive. I'll get other interactive people. I promise. That's, that's, what, I <laughs> that's, what, I, that's what we want. I don't want to talk. Like I, I want to present what I have found. Dr. Gutley wants to present what he has found. And then we want to turn it over to you guys mm-hmm. and let you guys talk to us. And maybe we can teach each other while we're sitting in that room. Right. Wouldn't that be, I think that's the best way to do this discussion. Yeah. So um, we're working on it right now. You know, we're, you know, what's going to happen. We're going to get to December. We're not going to be done with it. And we are going to cram it together in a month and it's going to be freaking amazing because that's what it is. Yes. Uh, But I am uber excited to speak at SFMA this year. Like it, it makes me extremely proud to be one of those many people um, if I'm a CSFM or not, to be on that stage, <laughs> to be speaking to my peers about something it that adds, I, I feel, I it feel adds like points, I'm, doesn't it? Presenting at a national conference. Maybe it's enough to get me there. We'll see. Let's see. We're going. We're going to pull that thing up. Let me see if I can give you some of my points from my college degree. You know, that'd be great. I'll, I'll, call, I'll call Kristen. I'll say, Kristen, are hey, these points transfer those points over there for me? I, you uh, know, and I had some great talks about that to the board members that I spoke to, and yeah, I think they get it. I think here's the thing: if I understand that it's a prestigious award, mm-hmm. and we're trying to keep it prestigious, yeah, but I feel like there's got to be other ways, yeah, to get points. Hundred percent. When when you're the head, when you're the head guy at your place, and you know we did the environmental certification. You know, um, I was part of a group that won a leadership award. I can't take any credit for it, but I was part of that group. Like all of that stuff should add up at some point. Yeah. Um, and and that's just kind of what I went. With. I was like, I understand you want to keep it prestigious, but you don't want to push good people to not. No way. Yeah, you're going to push them away or you're going to make it so difficult that people don't care to come to it. Yeah. And I I think that is a great point because there are so many different layers to that in a sense. And I don't know if that's the right term, but like there are so many things we want people to do. Like we want them to come to your presentation, be interactive. But like you said, it's the end of the day on that day. And it's like, hey. How do we get those people to be interactive? You know what I mean? A keg. We're going to bring a keg in. <laughs> We're going to tap that. That is one way to do it, I guess. That is one way to do it, I guess. Yeah, no, but like it's, I think it it holds a lot of weight to, again, more than just, again, the CSFMM test, or I can say M, M twice. Um, like, and we, we talk about it all the time, and uh, people are like, hey, how do you get more kids like interested and whatnot? It's like, well, we have to provide the opportunity. And that's when you talk about my kids being impressive, I'm very grateful for that. But a lot of the stuff that comes with that is the time that we take to sort of empower our kids, you know, give them the opportunity to have a say on what they're doing, have a say on like the paint schemes or like the mowing patterns or even like, again, making a decision on our management practices. Like, what if we did this instead of that? Like, 
allowing them to have that opportunity to come and make it their own is sort of like what we all have to do as an industry when it comes to things like the CSFM, you know, like I just still think I'm saying that wrong, but like you have someone like yourself who wants to do it and who has shown that he is capable of all of it. Why would we not give him the opportunity? Um, now again i could be completely wrong like you said like there could be like well you're trying to keep professional and like if you have x y and z like i understand that but at the same time like we should have like a committee or something where like someone like you who has the experience who has the time who has the the want to be a part of it like do like a oh here's an extra 10 points because you're in your fourth year as the head groundskeeper and you have the certification instead of a degree or whatever it is you know what i mean so yeah and that's and i've been on different committees and different talks and different groups on how to improve things how to keep people engaged and whatnot and it's it's hard you know I mean, I guess free beer is the answer, but like, <laughs> um, and that's another thing is I've been on, I've been on the committees. Like I've been on committees since probably my second year. Mm-hmm. Um, they sent out the email, you know, we're looking for committee. I'm like, why not? You know, and I'm not always the most involved person in the committee. I, a lot of times join the committees to listen. And if I have something to say, I will add it but I just want to hear what others think about certain situations to try to help my knowledge base of our industry. Um, you know, I'm also a local chapter board member and I'm like, if I'm doing those things, that should have some weight as well. Um, it's not like I'm just sitting back mowing grass and I want to be a CSFM. Like I'm, I'm doing, I'm checking the boxes. Yes. And, and I, I do believe there should be, and it's kind of like you said, let's make an old timers vote for, Hey, you know, the, the CSFMs, you know, the hall of famers, right. They get to vote in, they get to vote two people every year that should get to take it. That don't really meet the, the points requirements yet. Yeah. Um, because by the time I get to take it, I think, I mean, I think I'm still talking like three years out if I did the math. Right. And I'm like, at that point, you know, I don't know at that point, maybe I'm, I'm like, screw it. Like I've gone this long without <laughs> that extra yeah. abbreviation on the end of my name. Yeah. I can continue going. Um, and that's what happens to guys. I'm not saying that would happen to me, but that's what happens to guys. They're like, screw it. Like if I, I've gone this long in the industry without it, I can continue. For me, it's more of a pride thing that I would really love to have. It. Yeah, for sure. My, so and people ask me why I might knock on for it or why wouldn't I? I'm like, well, I'm a little busy. Um, <laughs> I, I'm working on my doctorate, which I'm not doing so hot on. I have to rewrite some stuff, but like that'll help me in my professionalism in the sense of like moving me forward. And I'm not saying the CSFM won't do that. I'm just saying like right now I need to focus on uh, this. You know what I, I mean? I would say a doctorate. Probably holds more weight than a CSFM. Uh, maybe a little bit. Uh, a little. I mean, tiny. Um, microscopic yeah. one. Yeah, yeah. I would say so. So I would say you're making the right decision for your future. Yeah. Which, well I, done, sir. Thank you. I appreciate that. Uh, if you I'm, need any help with your doctor, I'd be happy to, you know, check over your work or whatever. I'm, I'm sure I've got the certifications <laughs> to handle. That. I'll send it your way. I'll send it your That'd way. That'd be great. <laughs> um. But, you know, there there are so many different opportunities. And I, I think you've discussed so many great things about, again, 
things like mentorship and leadership. Like, I think that is an area that we lack in, in our industry. And I think that there are some great leaders that do a lot of great things. Dr. Goatley example. Uh, it's just, how do we get that sort of on the forefront of things? You know, I, I, and I think I said this last time, but like, I, um, was very lucky with the people that I worked for, you know, very good people that took care of me that never once got mad, even though they had every right to be like, there are just, it's hard to find that in this industry. Cause even me, like even with my kids, sometimes like I discuss it with my parents. It's like, there are times where I go off on the kids because I need them to understand that, Hey, this is a safety thing. You can't be doing this. Like this is life and death type of things. Like I'm very strategic with the way that I am bad in the sense of being a leader. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, but like being able to uh, guide someone towards a job in the industry or an opportunity, you know, um, it's something that we as an industry need to, again, sort of show everybody. So I think your eyes talk is going to be awesome. Um, and I'm, I'm really excited for the beer, you know? Um, <laughs> Absolutely. I'm gonna, I'm gonna pay up on that one. So, you know, one of the other things we want to try to discuss if we, you know, if we can work it in is, yeah, how to be a boss. Yeah. And I hate that. I hate that term. No, but and like, I, that's the thing. It's like that term is what we want to change in the sense of the yeah. meaning of it. So it's a great right. idea to say that, you know? So I was, um, I was out for drinks. Uh, last week I was in, in Memphis, um, hanging out with some, um, some other groundskeepers, basically. Mm -hmm. Um, the the Memphis Braves grounds crew was there and I was I'd kind of helped them out that night or whatever and um we'd gone to have beers after after work, you know, and one of the young men that works on that grounds crew couldn't tell you his name if I wanted to. I, mm -hmm. I'm terrible with names. Um he asked three of us that were sitting there that have all been head groundskeepers, how do you become a boss? Not one of us answered it the way this young man thought we were going to answer, you know, and the, the first answer is you're never anyone in this industry. I feel you're never anyone's boss. Everyone works with you because for me, I can't take care of 200 acres without the guys that work with me. Yep. Now on paper, they're my employees, but in practicality, they work with, me. they help me get the job done. And if it wasn't for them, the job doesn't get done. If it wasn't for them, we don't win back-to-back -back TTA field of the years. You know, you get what I'm saying. If it wasn't for them, I don't win or I don't get awarded a pioneer field of – or um, pioneer in the industry. field. Yep. Whatever. I don't get that without yeah. my crew. And that's what we tried to make him see is that you never have anyone working for you. Yeah. You're always working with them. Now, there are times, just like you mentioned with your kids, that you have to be the boss. You have to, you have to ruffle feathers at times. You know, um, if I've got a hundred things to do today and my crew's in here sitting down on their butts, <laughs> I'm going to get a little frustrated. But I also have to understand that on a day when it's 103 degrees and we have an excessive heat warning, that at 10 o'clock, I'm shutting them down. 
we're coming in the shop and we're sweeping the floor. We are not staying outside. Um, so there has to be that give and take of, I am going to let you take it easy on a hot day like today, but you're going to get out there at six o'clock and get going to get everything we can done today. And if you do that, I will give you the rest of the day to not be out there in it. Yeah. Um, so there's a lot of give and take in this, in this boss role. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the other thing that we have to understand is that there's a new generation coming on. You know, I'm, I'm for, I'll be 41 next month. And the, the generation coming up was not brought up the same way I was, you know, my, my dad throw COVID in, you know? Yes. It, my dad busted his ass every day for very little money. We, I came up extremely poor, but my dad went to work every day and he worked hard. And I saw how hard my dad worked and I went and I started working hard, but somewhere along the line, things have changed and people want more money and they don't want to do nearly as much. And I don't mean that negatively. What I mean is we as the leaders have to understand that this is a different generation and I can't expect them to be able to go out and work as hard as I feel I would be working right now. Yeah. What I have to do is set them up for success and hope that at the end of it all, we got everything we needed to get done. Done. Um, I can't expect them to be able to do what I can go do. Everybody's built different. So as the leaders, we have to learn that there's a very large give and take in this industry. And I'm sure all industries, but we're talking about this one. So we have to make sure we set our, employees, our coworkers, whatever, up for success. I can't give my guys too much to do today. You can't expect your kids to act like adults every single day inside that shop, even though you think they should. <laughs> now, I completely understand with the safety issue. Don't be a dumbass. <laughs> do what you're asked to do. Yeah. But at the same time, they're, they're also kids. They're kids. Yeah. And you have to be that leader for them to show them how you act around this equipment and that there's a time and a place to be the dumbass. And what's, what's crazy to me. And like you said, it's a generational thing. Like it shocks me how many of my kids who for the first time are touching like a push mower or something sure. in my class. And it's like, why, why is there no like understanding of like, Hey, as a kid, you're supposed to be doing some work around the house, you know, like, it's not like, it's not like you're expected to do it every day or whatever, but like, uh, it is a generational thing. And I, I think I talked about this with Kristen was the fact that since we're in a shortage of labor, we're not the only industry and it's, it's kind of stat. It's astounding. The number of industries that are low on labor, low on like, qualified individuals low on like all of these things and it's like where is everybody now is the time now's the employee's time like let's be real honest right now it's not the employer's time correct right now is the time of the employee i I don't remember a time like this ever where they had the power to say something well they had the power to say screw you i'll go somewhere else yeah because because i can't afford to lose you but yeah. you can afford to lose me right now. So we have to learn. And I'm not saying that's a bad thing. It, it It's ebb and flows in the world. Mm-hmm. Um, 
but now, I, I don't remember a time where the employee had the entire upper hand. Yeah. And the, the other thing is, is like when we talk about like my kids doing internships and there's a lot right now, like over 40, I think uh, this summer it's, it's saying, Hey, you should go do this if you're interested in it when they're paying like $11 an hour and a job at McDonald's pays 16 an hour. Like, yeah, it's hard to hear that, you know, like, Hey, you're young. Like you should understand the value of learning and the value of this opportunity right. versus, but they should also learn the value of making as much money while, as they can. while they can. Exactly. Being honest that's, about it. that's the hard part. That's the hard. Like yeah. I can't say in good, like, I'm not telling kids like, and I, <laughs> I don't know if I can tell this whole story on here, but like I had a kid, he was like mad about money that he had spent this amount of time on this course, wanted some more. Another kid who's never been there is making more money. And he was like mad at me. I'm like, dude, I, it's not my position to tell you what to do, whatnot. You should stay where you're at. Cause you're in a good position. Uh, and it's just like, he went somewhere else for more money. And it's like, I, I understand why he's upset, but at the same time, like you're, you're taking a risk by burning the bridge that has been there for you and gave you the opportunity to start there. You know, like what he should have practiced because now's the time he should have gone into the boss or, you know, whoever runs the ship there and stated his case. It was a great opportunity for him to act like a grown up. And go in there and state his case for what he felt like he deserved. Yeah, you know, these kids, they can be grown-ups at some points, and then other times it's like, why? Why are you doing this? Like but they're but, kids. So and that's know, the I mean, thing. We hear what I think what frustrates me um about three years ago at SFMAs, you heard a lot of guys talking about this current generation, how lazy they are. Right now, we need this generation because there's nobody out there working. So instead of being frustrated with how lazy they are, how about we try to learn to adapt? And we need to, it used to be maybe it took three guys to do the job that we were doing. We need to go to our bosses and have a guy. That needs to be our place to say, hey, I need one more position. Yeah. And, and it's not our employee's place to do that. It's our place. So we, instead of being frustrated with the generation, we need to learn as, as head groundskeepers to push back and say, okay, I need more people. Yeah. We're not, we're not able to get done what we used to get done. I get it, but I need more people and I need to pay them more so that they're willing to come in here and, and do what I need done. And, I know you can't have that conversation everywhere. I understand those jobs out there. Get it. We, we just can't do it. But where we can, we need to be pushing that salary higher and we need to be pushing our amount of people that we have higher so that we're not in the situation of my guys just don't get enough done. Yeah. Well, and the other thing is I... There is the stigma this generation's lazier, and I'm not saying it's not true because there are a lot of kids that are just like, "Oh my gosh, like what are you doing? Like <laughs> yeah. we have been out here for 40 minutes, like you can't be complaining about it this much." But like, there are a lot of kids 
that are workers and they'll work their ass off and they will come yep. in and do the job. Most of the time they'll do better than guys who've been in the industry. Like it's, it's just finding those people, you know what I mean? That we need to figure out how to find them and bring them. And in. then we need to reward them for being here. Yes. Bottom line. We which don't need is, to push them away, which is hard to do when it comes to again, Hey, work less, work more with less money, but at the same time, like there are upsides, like it's again, it's, I I think it was Leah. We were talking about before she's presenting, but the, she brought up a point where the only people that were in stadiums or at work are the individuals who were taking care of the field, taking care of the courses Uh, in minor league baseball. There's the only position in the stadium outside of the GM who's like again semi the owner almost like most of the time that has to have some sort of college degree certification or something in order to have that job you know where does that say why are they not on the higher echelons of pay in the stadium you know what I mean we were were the industry that still went to work every single day Exactly. We didn't miss it. That we did us as a grounds crew here at Insworth, we had no one on campus for two and a half, three months at all. Yeah. We were the ones here. It was a lonely place to be. Mm-hmm. But we were here every single day maintaining our fields. But yet we come out of COVID and there's people at the same place that treat us like we're just lawn care. And no offense to lawn care, but you get what I'm saying. Yeah. The same people you needed here every single day are the same people that you step on and that you don't care about what they're doing almost every single day. Where, what happened? What changed? You asked us to be here. You paid. Okay. Let's look at this. You and paid my employer paid the entire school through COVID, whether you were here or not. Facilities got paid. Teachers got paid. Which is great. That's an amazing thing that they were able to do. Yeah. We all got a bonus for getting through COVID together by our board members and mm-hmm. stuff. Like they yeah, raised yeah. money and they took care of us, right? Yeah. Um, but yet one group was allowed to work during that time. So why does that not show people? Right. They got paid and weren't here. We got paid and were here. Yeah. We worked 40 hours a week. They worked zero. We made the same money they did. But yet when we all come back from, from this, yeah, we're stepped on just like we were. And I'm like, where? So what, what we're getting at here is how do we turn that so that this next generation wants to be in this industry? Yeah. And that's, I, I, but I think where that comes is we have to speak up for ourselves. Yeah, and I we have to we have to take ownership and speak up for ourselves. I think, and again, like I've I said it a couple of times. I said it during the general session is like I don't know who we need to talk to, and I guess it's the owners or something mm-hmm. along the lines of professional sports or whatever. It's amazes me that again when we talk about professional athletes the number of games they're playing all these things the amount of money they make obviously they should make good money they're the ones that are performing 
for the TVs, for all that. But when we have a guy like, again, Patrick Mahomes, who makes half a billion dollars, there's a certain level of, hey, we need to protect the investment. Well, my issue is people don't notice that that field is the first line of defense. Now, I'm not saying... Do you think Patrick Mahomes is as fast as he is if the Bermuda grass is four inches tall yeah. and there are ruts all over the field? That's I don't, exactly. I don't think he I don't think he makes those cuts if yeah. that field's not freaking perfect yep. week in and week out. And again, like that's it's the first line of defense. It's your first line of insurance. Like yeah, we're, we're an insurance we're, policy. No, and that's my thing is like when you look at it face value, like you look at these organizations and how much money there is and how much they can do. They could take, I don't even know, like 2% of a major event. And if you allocate that to the ground screw, their pay will go tenfold up. And which, you're going to get 10 times exactly, from them. Exactly. Yep. And, I'm not, and I'm not saying they don't do all the work that they can because people like Travis Hogan and those guys do phenomenal work. No doubt, but you're going to have a crew that wants to be there for you every yes, single exactly. day. Yeah. And Instead of guys that are disgruntled and fed up and tired yeah. working out in the elements every day, you're going to have guys that, you know what? My employer takes care of me. Yeah. I am going to make sure I'm as positive as I can be today, even though it's snowing and we're out here painting a field. And again, it's it's literally like it's got to be like two per two percent of a Beyonce concert. Let's talk about that. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah. What's what's that going to do to their budget line? Nothing. It's but it would do a lot. It would do a lot. It would do Travis's budget line. Yeah, exactly. Like he could add probably two guys. He could have everyone's pay like double what it is, and like. Yeah, it's also a great way to look at buying equipment instead of running on ragged equipment. But yeah. You know, I, but I think that's up to us. You know, that's and I, and we I can think, sit here and complain about it, but yeah. we as an industry have to do better, and we as individuals have to do better to bring ourselves to the forefront. Which again, I don't know what that approach is. You know what I mean? Like, I've been very lucky though. Like, okay, I can sit here and complain, and I and I have. I've told you, you know, we yeah, yeah. stepped on it, but. I was in, so our CFO is leaving. Our CFO is my direct boss. All gotcha. right. Um, and she's leaving. And I was in the interviews to replace her. I was involved in the initial meetings with our new headmaster of the school. Mm-hmm. Both those people know who I am. Both those people have had conversations about me with current administration and how important our job here at Insworth is. Yeah. So I know I have brought, and I, I, this is going to sound cocky as hell. There's been, no, two great, there's been two great head groundskeepers here in the past. They did a fantastic job. The one thing they did poorly, in my opinion, is bringing us to the forefront here. Yeah. I brought us to the forefront at Innsworth through Twitter, through social media presence. I brought us here, getting our face seen instead of it used to be here, we wanted to be. Uh, we didn't want to be seen or heard from. We just yeah. wanted the job done. I've made sure that we're we're in front of the coaches. We're in front of the parents. The parents know who we are. Yeah, that's important to me. Um, 
And I think that's what we as groundskeepers need to do a better job of is getting in front of the people that matter. Yeah. 100%. And, and whatever that means at your place of employment, because at my place of employment, it's different than at your place of employment. So uh, yeah, I can't tell you how to do it, but you need to do a good job of getting your team in front of them. I think we've done a pretty good job. Uh, we have an artificial field that again, it's, it's inevitable because of the school district and they've made every single high school stadium field artificial Ours is going on a practice field because again, our program, what we've done. So yeah, there are things that happen, but I would love to figure out who it is that we could talk to that'll change the game for all of us. You know what I mean? Because if you, if you get in front of the, uh, uh, what am I saying? If we get in front of the owners, say the NFL owners, how do we say, hey, how do we get their situation better? How does that trickle over to the MLB guys? How does it trickle to the minor league guys? How does that trickle down to parks and rec schools? Like, I don't know that part. You know what I mean? If we could get someone at the SFMA to start setting up meetings with bigger organizations, like that would be great. But at the same time, like, how do we coherently sort of coat the entire industry is what's going to be hard. You know what I mean? What do you think would happen? This will never happen. I'm not encouraging this to happen. No, go ahead. But nurses have done it. Police officers have done it. What if for one day, we all strike every ground, every <laughs> groundskeeper took the day off. Oh. How would they see then how important we are? It would be massive though. That'd and it crazy. wouldn't work out. It wouldn't work out for everyone. No. And but, that's, yeah, here's my thing is like the, the work that like some of the guys, and again, like Matt Brown with the pirates and now Ryan up with the brewers and everything. Think about taking a day off on the day of a game. Mm-hmm. No ground. The screen. entire crew. The no entire crew. Other. It's a green out. Like the, the panic and chaos that would ensue. And again, they would finally see how important our side of this thing is. And again, like the idea of the field, like what they do on their level of when it comes to meticulous work, ensuring that every square inch of that thing is flat and level, the number of times they're edging, fixing their edges in between homestands. Like I do not get that opportunity at the high school level. Like I, I'm like a two to three times a season type deal, but like, they're like a, 17 like 17 times throughout the season i don't have the money to do it i don't have the resources like it it's insane like the lack of knowing on those fields is unbelievable you know like the lack of people's knowledge of what's done to prepare them you know so no i hear you i don't know if i don't know if one day would be enough is the problem you know what i mean and i hear you I, I'm sure to send a message. It gets, it gets the conversation started. Yeah. If you uh, had to cancel, if you had to cancel 15 major league stadiums from playing, somebody would say that gets a conversation ever. started. They call they call the lo- local little league uh, guy and be like, "Hey, we need you to come no, line the field. We got to have those guys. We got to have everyone." No, I hear you, but I'm saying like that would be their first. <laughs> It'll call. never happen, but look, it definitely would get a conversation going. Yeah, for sure. No, for sure. Um, so we wrap up on these last two questions because we're already right. over an hour. Wow, sorry, I didn't mean to keep you there. That listen, there's never been a podcast I've done. I've done a couple that has gone 
less than an hour. It's always ridiculous. So it's not you. It's me. It's, no, it's no, no. I, I enjoy the longer ones because it means we're having fun, you know? That's what um, she said. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. Okay. We're having too much fun now. Um, with <laughs> What happened to your guys' podcast, by the way? Um, so BJ Mook. Okay. BJ went to Wilson, Arkansas to be a golf course superintendent. Gotcha. I'm not sure Wilson, Arkansas is known for their high speed internet connection. <laughs> gotcha. Uh, and we tried to record. Um, I was at the house and he was at the golf course and we, we, I would be talking and he would be talking at the same time because none of it was go. It, it just, it kind of, it kind of went to crap, but there might be. It's Ooh. possibly a, a resurgence coming in the future. Um, there might be some changes being made gotcha. and we might be getting the band back together. Um, he might not even know 100% of what all's coming. And, uh, we'll see. We'll see, what we can, we'll see what we can do to get the boys back together again. No, for sure. That'd be awesome. Uh, yeah, it's funny because... It was, by the way, shout out to Ryan Bjorn. I don't know if my hand's up right. Patriots. He gave me a couple shirts and everything. I, I'm a Giants fan. So, like, I don't, okay. I don't right. hate the Patriots because we kick their ass every time. Uh, <laughs> and we're terrible now. But, no, it was funny because my little brother was with us. And he was, Kenny was just amazed. That's my little brother. Sorry. Uh, we got a tour and everything. So, we did the podcast live up in Foxborough. And we were able to like get a tour and everything. He's like, you know what, Drew? I dis I don't hate them as much as I usually do. <laughs> it's like, uh, all right, Kenny, calm down. No, but he he showed us the the stadium, the practice facilities, the training facility for soccer was incredible. It is crazy how that place is just. It's like hidden in behind a forest like wall from Gillette Stadium. It's like yeah. so beautiful. Um, but when we're talking about the podcast, the the flow of being in person is so much easier when you're there when it comes yeah, to like 100%. and like it's we try our best like with Zoom and whatnot, but like when you're talking about like being in the room with the guy and being able to talk about it, it's so much easier. You know, we, I mean? we had such good chemistry together yeah and our chemistry came from sitting here and just being like two guys sitting around having a beer yeah shooting the shit right yeah when we went to the virtual and we tried the virtual it, it wasn't the same for us yeah and while we didn't want to shut it down the internet connections all that stuff it just didn't play for what we Mesh. were trying to really really be yeah um, but we'll see what happens in the future yeah, let us know. We're actually so I haven't announced this yet because we're working on it still. But with COVID restrictions being at like an all time low when it comes to like being at school, we're actually constructing a podcast studio at school so That's that awesome. we'll have a nice little space and everything. I'll still use this from time to time because I'm not going to yeah. want to go into like record over the summer or yeah. something, but like. I've got like a bunch of acoustic foam over there. I've got like, uh, we bought shells and what it's, it, 
it's coming, really awesome. coming together. We, we're, you'll, we're have to let, you'll have to let students host sometimes too. Oh no. You'll so we, get... that's, that's the point. We usually have okay. students hosting. We usually have okay. like a uh, uh, student host, uh, but again, summer hit and we kind of like, and it's yeah. hard to keep them like involved all the time. Cause sometimes oh, like, Lord, we, would have had a great time. we would have had a great time with those students. <laughs> this would have been fantastic. Yeah. Especially if my boy would have been on here. Ah, Curly. If Bronco. Curly would have been on here. Oh been, gosh. This thing would have been off the chain. Oh, Franco. <laughs> <laughs> no, he's a good kid. Uh, but yeah, and that's, that's what I was like. He better listen to this episode. I will text him the episode once he I post better it. listen to this episode because he got a lot of shout out. Uh, I still can't believe you said that. I loved it. I understand, but like it's super embarrassing for me. It's like Franco, shut up. <laughs> uh so we wrap it up on these last two questions. Sorry to get sidetracked again. Uh okay obviously again you had that time where like you were finding your way in this industry and i'm always curious about what these answers are because there are so many different ways to approach it um if there was one thing that you wish you knew going into this industry what would it be and why and it's not like to make anything better or anything like that it's just something that you wish you knew when you first started I'm good with questions. You, <laughs> you I worded that one right. <laughs> you can't control everything. It's a good one. You, you, you have to learn to let go. And it, it's been tough. And I, I mean, my answer is not just about grass. I, when I became the head, I was a riled up asshole to vendors, especially. And if I ordered some freaking paint from you and it wasn't here the day you said it was going to be here, I was pissed. And I would snap. Like I have snapped on vendors over the stupidest shit. And I think the thing I learned from COVID. So this is, it's not exactly what you asked, but my answer is you can't control everything. But what COVID taught me was who cares? You know, like if my paint's not here, my paint's not here. I'll get it when I get it. I'll go borrow a bucket from somebody down the road. Like it doesn't matter. And I've learned to be patient. So my answer to that question is that you can't control everything. And kind of the way I came to that was the COVID world changed how everything works. And um, I just learned to be more patient through it and not worry about it. And I've actually called many vendors that I treated like shit for a long time and apologized because I'm not that guy anymore. Uh, I've actually learned to be patient with people and um, understand that my problems aren't the world's biggest problem. So that's where that's how I would answer that question. Yeah, no, it's a great answer. Um, I, I <laughs> the COVID world is still having an impact on all that. It is. And, uh, but I'm, I'm kind of thankful for it. Because I yeah. like who I am today much better than I liked who I was in 2019. Gotcha. So. No, and that's that's a great way to look at it. So um, the last question we ask, obviously, you know, my kids and everything that uh, what they their responses and whatnot, which I'm very curious to what they said. I know only one. So <laughs> um, what would be your best words of advice for a student who's looking to join this industry? Um, 
And why should they, again, take this approach or, again, use this advice to their advantage, you know? There's a book I would recommend. Extreme Ownership or Extreme Leadership, whatever. Look it up. It's um, take ownership in what you do. Everything you do, own it. Whether you, whether you, whether you mess up or whether you do something great, win back to back field of the years, take ownership in it and own it. Um, be upfront and honest all the time. If, if you tear something up, own it. I did it. Sorry. I screwed up. If you, you do something great, post it on your social medias, you know. Take ownership in what you do. And um, it it and that's in every aspect of your life, not just not just your your work, but in your your relationship. If you screw up with your wife, own it. Hey, I screwed up. I'm sorry. That goes a lot further than I don't know what the hell happened. Take ownership in it. I would also avoid a couple phrases. Always and never. Because nothing is ever always or never. Same thing in this industry or in your, your personal life. Those words, avoid them. I love that because it's that's so it. true. No, that's, that's great. It's awesome to, I mean, when you look at perspective that way, it's so true. You know, you never, you never want to get complacent. You never want to be uh, the guy that's always saying, nah, we're good. Not, not doing that. We're not going to, it's fine. We're fine. You know? Do you realize in this episode, Boy. we have laughed, we have cried. I don't know you're talking about here. the cry. <laughs> we we did. Shut up. Own that no, shit. I own it. I and, own it. <laughs> and, and we have been extremely serious from time to time. Yeah. No. We have we have done all your emotional phases in this damn episode. And I hope people <laughs> love it. No, for sure. I do want to thank you again for everything with Ryland. You didn't have to do anything. Quit. Shut up. Shut your mouth. I'm just saying thank face. you. Shut your I, pie hole, Okay, man. I'll be quiet. I'll be quiet. Um, I I respect and appreciate you guys so much. What you guys do, your students, you. Um, I was joking with you at SFMA this last year when I said, when are you going to get me on the, on the show? I, no, I, I, I told you I wanted to have you. You've had much better people on this no. show. But I appreciate that message the other day of, hey, I want to get you on. Um, I wanted to jump on as soon as possible. Um, <laughs> I think what you're doing is awesome for our industry. Um, I think there's only one person that's even close to what you're doing, and that's Meg Kruger with Pioneer and how she's highlighting people. I think highlighting people in this industry is we're not doing it enough, and I appreciate what you're doing. I appreciate what she's doing. Your students, they are freaking amazing to me. I, um, I, I love them kind of like they're my own, um, just watching what they're doing. Let them know they're doing a good job. I will, for um, sure. You keep up the good work. I appreciate and that. Let's wrap this thing up so I can go get some lunch. All right.